o'clock on the afternoon of July 13th, it was shattered entirely and utterly. A shadow fell across his sluice, and Tim stopped, not looking back, but staring at the reflection in the cold blue gleam of a Winchester barrel. The first words he heard bit deep. They were indifferently, even wearily spoken. Wait a minute, Sven. Don't kill him. Tim held on to the sluice box to keep his hands from shaking. He turned carefully until he stood leaning against the rough, hard slabs, water curling around his ankles, sweat growing cold on his face. The man called Sven was rendered even more huge by his standing on the bank two feet higher than the water. It was shaggy, with matted hair. His clothes were nondescript and slovenly. His face was big, with small eyes. The other man was seated on a rock. He was young, handsome, about twenty-eight, and dressed in neat corduroy. I don't know how you feel about it, Sven, but I have no taste for the muck and moil in the July sun. There are a few thousands yet in the gravel pile, and our friend here appears to be a willing worker. Aren't you, son? Sven grunted and lowered the end of the Winchester to the ground. It looked like a small stick in his hand and the big pistol which girded him was a toy against the hugeness of his thigh. Don't let us interrupt your work, my friend. How did you make it across the sinks? Why, as to that, there are two men who didn't. Two men and a mule. (laughs) He laughed quietly and looked at his gun. Tim saw the extra canteen which was slung about Sven, and knew with an abrupt insight why the two were not here. A pleasant place. I dare say that you have had all this peak with its foothills to yourself. Looks like there is game. I told you there would be game, Sven. Something to eat. Something to kill. You want I should shoot some meat, Mr. Bonnet, or you want to hunt it again? Seen any mountain lion or bear up here, my young friend? Tim looked from Bonnet to Sven. Something of the terror of his situation was coming clear to him, turning his stomach like ground glass. Our young friend here doesn't seem to be of much help as a hunting guide. Supposing you step out there, Sven, take a bead on a potential banquet. If you see any bear or puma or anything worthwhile, let me know. Bonnet did not bother to aim a weapon. He had already possessed himself of the rifle that had been in Tim's camp and had loaded it. He let it lie unnoticed at his feet. Tim looked at the rifle and at the far bank. A crooked, almost hopeful smile appeared faintly on Bonnet's face. He hitched himself back a few feet from the rifle. His tongue caressed his parched lips. Tim was cold inside. Bonnet hitched himself further away from the weapon, and his smile grew, showing even perfect teeth. Bonnet reached inside his coat and brought out a short gun, which he tossed down the bank, so that it lay only a little further from Tim than the rifle was from Bonnet. Tim's fingernails were sinking into the sluice. He could envision himself lunging forward and grabbing the gun, could see Bonnet snatching at the rifle. He tried desperately to anticipate the outcome, crouched a little lower. Suddenly, Tim sprang up the bank, sweeping the Smith and Wesson into his grasp and leveling it. With some astonishment, he saw that Bonnet had not moved, but stood looking with bright eyes upon Tim. The Smith and Wesson's hammer fell on an empty chamber. Then another, 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 and another. 
Bonnet picked up the rifle, jacked the shell into its chamber, and laid the weapon across his knees. Throw the gun here, young man. In a few days, when you have all the gold out of that gravel and neatly sacked, you and I may yet entertain ourselves with a little sport. (laughs) He laughed quietly. Tim worked methodically after that, worked day after day through days beyond his counting. The water swirled about his knees. The heavy gumbo moved to the riffles. He cleaned out the rocks, cleared the tailings, all in the mechanical fashion of a sleepwalker. His hands bled, his limbs ached, and as he worked, hopelessness gripped him. He had not realized until now the part his stepfather had played in the joy of his discovery. The idea of sending his mother beautiful clothes, hiring help for her, seeing to it that his younger sister received an education...